Warning, the following show contains explicit language. Certain people should not listen to this show, such as children and panty-waist adults who cry like 12-year-old little girls when they hear profanity. Welcome, my friends. Thank you for joining me again for the Dr. Reality Podcast. For those of you who are new, I'm Dave Champion. Today, I'm going to start in sort of an unusual manner. I'm going to begin by telling you a couple of stories that may seem disparate, but they're all heading in the same direction. I normally introduce you to the subject of the podcast at the outset. Not today. (laughs) Story number one. I had x-rays last week. Give you a little backstory, then I'll tell you what the x-rays were for. And yeah, there's a connection in the x-ray story to the theme of this podcast. I don't know if this goes back maybe five or six weeks ago. I was having a hell of a time playing and whooping it up with an 80-pound pit bull puppy who does not know his own strength, his own power, his own weight. And we were having a great time playing around. And he went hauling down the hallway and I went hauling after him. And I'm running, you know, and he goes around the corner and I'm like, I'm going to get him, right? So I'm just about to the corner and he comes blasting back around. Now my right leg, I'm running, right? I'm, I'm literally like almost flat out running. And my right leg is back, not on the ground. And he comes tearing around, and with that gigantic, hard-as-a-bowling-ball pit bull head, he slams into my shin bone, on the run, keeps moving, okay? But what happened was the impact was so hard on my shin that my leg swept back. That pushed my, my shoulders, my torso, my chest, my head, pushed that forward as the leg went back, and down I went. Now, I landed on my forearms and on both knees, and I landed hard. So that's caused a knee issue that is plaguing me. And normally it manifests itself not during when I'm doing cardio, whatever form of cardio I'm doing, but in the hours afterward. My knee starts to ache, my leg feels odd all the way down into the ankle, So I waited to see if it was something that would sort of fix itself, and it hasn't. And I've had chiropractic adjustments on the knee, on the the hip, on the ankles, trying to see if maybe it was something that could be fixed by some, some form of realignment. Well, that didn't work either. So last week I said, you know what? let's find out what this is or is not. So I went in and they took x-rays. Now, the way they do that is they take an x-ray of the uh, leg where you're having an issue and then they take x-rays of the leg where you're not having an issue so they can compare and see if the leg with which you're having an issue has some sort of difference in appearance from the leg that's completely healthy. So they took the x-rays. There's absolutely no difference. I mean, I I looked at them closely with the doctor, uh, with friends, and there's absolutely no difference. And there's no damage. There's no skeletal problem. Why did I do that? Did I do that because I I felt confident that there was going to be some sort of skeletal issue? No, as a matter of fact, quite the opposite. I was pretty sure it wasn't going to be skeletal. I'm pretty sure it's soft tissue. So the purpose of having the x-rays was to discount the skeletal, to ensure that that was not the problem. So by ensuring that was not the problem, we can then focus on what perhaps is the problem, right? 
Story number two, and remember, they're all leading up to the purpose or the conclusion of this podcast. So story number two, imagine that the United States military wanted to build some large compound in an area uh, that was prone to enemy attack. And this was going to be a very serious compound with a lot of very important functions taking place there. So they wanted this to be de- well defended, perhaps perfectly depend, uh, defended. So, of course, we know that the military is experimenting with artificial intelligence, right? So imagine what happens is they, they call a meeting of the top experts, whether it be generals, whether it be tacticians, whether it be commandos, what have you. They all get these guys in a room and they say, okay, we need to, lay, we need to find out what kind of attacks might be brought against this facility, what nature, the, the various variants of attack. And then we need to design a system so that the AI has this vast selection of options to respond to the attack, sort of like in chess. If you're experienced and you see your opponent doing that, you say, ah, I know exactly what tactic that is. I know where he or she is going with that, so I'm going to respond this way. This is the same thing that the AI would do in this contrived scenario we're discussing. So let's say this panel of experts comes up with 47 different ways this facility, this compound, could be assaulted, 47 different ways. So they all sit down and they formulate the various ways that it can be defended. And this may include infantry, it may include bombing, it may include artillery, it may include close air support, what have you, right? They break it down, they go, okay, so the 47 methods of attack, we have outlined 193 responses to that. And if we take variations within the 47 and we add those, okay, so now we're at like 291 potential defenses that the AI can draw from. The AI has to identify exactly which of those 47 methods of attack it is, and if there's any variations from the main theme, it has to detect those, and then it's going to go out to its 291 options, and it's going to summon whatever the assets, whatever the resources are that are needed to absolutely protect that compound. Get it? Okay. And then, sure enough, the compound is attacked. And you get to see real time, maybe from a satellite, the attack. And then you get to see the exact elements that the AI plucks out of its database and starts implementing for defense of this compound. My question for you is, would you believe watching that go down that it was just random? It wasn't designed. There was no intent. There was no purpose. It's just random. No, nobody in the right mind would believe that. Story number three, a little less complex scenario. You are an archaeologist and you're out on a dig and you're down to, say, the 2,700-year-old level. And during this dig, you or the people you're working with come across earthen pots with lids. So you're, you're looking at these 2,700-year-old earthen jars with lids, would you imagine that that was made by somebody with purpose, with intent? It was designed to do a particular thing that its designer intended it to do. Or, again, would you imagine somehow, randomly, nature created an earthen pot with lid? Story number four, last one, I promise. Okay, 
Story number four. When I was a boy, I used to like to play with Lincoln logs. Now, back when I was a kid, they came in sort of this rigid, tall cardboard tube with actually a metal screw-on lid. So the very first thing that I did when I wanted to play with my Lincoln logs was I unscrewed the metal lid, laid it aside, took the tube, and poured it upside down. And so all of the contents, the Lincoln logs, fell out onto the floor. And then I would proceed to build a house. That's, I think, the most typical thing that people build with Lincoln Logs, especially back when I was a kid, is a house. However, in all the years that I played with Lincoln Logs, never once when I poured the Lincoln Logs onto the floor did they ever fall out of the tube onto the floor in such a way that they randomly created a house. Furthermore, if I was immortal, (laughs) and lived forever, and over millions of years, I poured those Lincoln logs out onto the floor billions of times, they would never, ever pour out onto the floor in the form and structure of a building. (laughs) That should be pretty self-evident, right? The conclusion that I think any rational person would take away from stories two, three, and four is that randomness chance is the exact opposite of, it is exactly antithetical to, intended, purpose-driven design. And guess what? That finally brings me around to the purpose of this video, which is, who actually designed human beings? Because, I mean, when you study physiology, there is absolutely No way. Zero. Let me emphasize that. Zero way to imagine that the human body was somehow created randomly. I mean, you look at the biochemical actions and the related uh, endogenous electrically mediated signaling, and, and I could just go on and on with hundreds and hundreds of examples. And the fact that they, much like the AI defending the compound, Just as an example, that's a similar system to how our immune system works. So if you looked at what was going on with that military compound, with the kind of attack, and then what resources were brought to bear based on what we know works to defend against that kind of attack, if you looked at that and said, there's no fucking way that's random, that's that's absolutely by design, with intent and purpose... (laughs) then there's no way that you can look at the human body's immune system and imagine it's random rather than being a purpose-driven design. In short, if a person wants to actually be intelligent and use reasoning, when they study physiology, there's no way to say that the design of the human body is random. If they want to say the human body was designed randomly, not with purpose or intent, they'd have to say the same thing about the earthen jars with the lid, they'd have to say the same thing about the AI defense, and they'd have to say the same thing about Lincoln Logs, which is, of course, absurd. In short, and to focus more directly on the point, if we accept, by looking at the human body, that it was not created randomly, that it was purpose-built, it had intent from the moment it was created, then we have to dismiss evolution as a participant or as a cause. That said, in America, in the late 20th century and into the 21st century, 
the way that uh, people think, I'm going to say Americans, because that's really on this type of subject, the people that I interact with. So Americans are very linear in their thought process. We've sort of come to a point in our culture where, oddly, people feel that they must know how everything works, even when they don't have a single fucking clue how it works. They still have to posture as if they do. So with this linear thought process I'm describing, typically when we look at things like the design of man, uh, there's two competing notions, one of course being evolution, which we've already dismissed, and the other one being that created by a deity, a god. Uh, Then, of course, depending on where you live, you get into the debate of, like, which one? Was it Zeus? How about Vishnu? Yahweh? Bumba? Odin? (laughs) Okay. Yeah, you see where that's going, right? Personally, just for myself, I think it's uh, kind of absurd to believe that a mythical character created anything. So you've hung in with me all this time. What's the big reveal in this podcast? Well, I don't know that there necessarily is one, except to point out that when we look at something like the design of the human body, we have to acknowledge that it could not be created by the random process involved in evolution. By the way, I worked really, really hard not to turn this into a podcast about uh, the evidence that evolution is nonsensical, which yeah, it's overwhelming. It, <laughs> evolution is every bit as factual as uh, flies cause shit, guns cause crime, and crude oil is a fossil fuel. But since most Americans falsely <laughs> believe that the theory of evolution is actually science, I decided not to go there. So why would I think that it's significant to know that the design of the human body, we can extrapolate it beyond the human body, but I'm just sticking to that for simplicity today. Why is it significant for us to acknowledge that the design of the human body is not random, it's not evolution, and it's not by some mythical character? Let me share a thought with you on that. If you've had any experience with the innocence projects, we know that people are accused of murder Oftentimes, prosecutors uh, withhold exculpatory exculpatory evidence. Police officers hide evidence that shows that the person put on trial didn't actually commit the murder, and the person gets wrongfully convicted and sent off to prison, oftentimes for the better part of their lifetime. Now, that is horrible enough that a man who did not commit a murder does 15 or 25 or 35 years locked in a cage for something he did not do. Yeah, that's just horrible enough, right? But there's another aspect to it. When the prosecutor's overzealous or the cop lies or conceals evidence from the defense, when that happens, one of the most, in my opinion, one of the most egregious aspects is the party who's actually guilty is walking around free. Now, it could just be they're walking around free and they feel like they got away with it and they live, they carry on with the rest of their lives. Or perhaps they kill again, right? But the bottom line is justice, if you care about something like that, which I do, justice is denied 100% when the guilty walks free 
and the innocent is falsely convicted. So similarly now, go back to the whole design of the human body. If we claim wrongly that it's evolution, or we claim wrongly that it's a some sort of mythical deity, then believing we know the answer, if you think you know the answer, there's no reason to look anywhere else, which I would tell you is exactly in this situation what we should be doing, not looking at these things which are false. We should be looking for that which is true. So what is true? Shit. I don't know. And from my point of view, that may be the biggest takeaway of this podcast, that there are things we simply, at least at this moment in mankind's history, we simply cannot know. And it is okay to say, well, shit, I don't know, rather than try and invest ourselves in what I mentioned earlier, that simplistic linear thought process, yes, it's one of the two, and I've got to choose a side, and I've got to tell everyone, I know, when you don't fucking know. When I started studying physiology and then writing about physiology, one of the things that became crystal clear to me is that 99.9% of the population knows virtually nothing about physiology. They take their body for granted. They, they're, well, I, I call it the conscious inhabitant. That, that's our mind. That's what we think with. That's our personality. That's the, I call that the conscious inhabitant because the body itself functions on a whole other level, right? So the conscious inhabitant doesn't have a clue what's going on inside the host anatomical structure. The host anatomical structure is doing its own thing, almost completely divorced from what's going on in the thoughts of the onboard inhabitant. And that complete separation from the, uh, the, the mind, the onboard inhabitant, and what it doesn't know, the mass ignorance about physiology, and what the body is really doing, that, that complete divorce is a huge physical and medical problem for primarily Western civilization at this point, but I think it's an ever-growing problem across the entire planet. Kind of one of the weird things is the onboard inhabitant has one carrier, one vehicle, one body, period. (laughs) And when that body, that carrier, that supporting meat sack in which the onboard inhabitant's mind functions, when that meat sack is over, when when it gets sick, when it gets diseased, when it can't sustain itself anymore, well, onboard inhabitant, goodbye, which is going to happen sooner or later to every single one of us. But why the fuck would anybody want to rush that process by something as correctable as ignorance? Now, maybe I'm just somebody who loves life, But the idea in my head that like, okay, so I could conceivably, in ignorance, I'm now referencing all the people who don't understand physiology, I could conceivably drop dead 32 years, I'm just throwing out an arbitrary number, 32 years earlier (laughs) than I would if I was informed rather than ignorant. Like, who wouldn't? Go for the extra 32 years if it just involved getting a little bit of education. I was just reading today, before I came in and sat down to do this podcast, that the oldest man in the United States, 
18 years old, just died. And I realized, because I was fortunate enough to stumble across some things that piqued my curiosity and started me studying, and I found out that I actually love the study of physiology and so forth. Because of that, I realized that instead of passing away at the same age some of my peers already have, I could conceivably, because I am knowledgeable, I, there's no disconnect between the onboard inhabitant in this meat sack and the meat sack itself. There's no disconnect. And because of that, I'm 61 right now as I'm sitting here doing this. Because of that, I might live an, another 50 years while my peers who don't know that are dropping dead already. So at this point, you know what I'm going to say, right? Get that education so that the onboard inhabitant is now connected, not disconnected, from what's going on with the one and only physical structure you will ever have in which your mind can inhabit. And perhaps the best way, not the only way, but perhaps the best way to cut right to the chase, yeah, it's to read body science. So I want to encourage you to go to drreality.news, grab yourself a copy of Body Science. By the way, I say all the time about whatever my materials are, whether it's written, whether it's one of these podcasts, whether it's one of my books, do not believe me. Please read the reviews put on the website by the readers, and you will see that they are pretty astounding, 100% complimentary. Every single reviewer has given it five stars, Every single, including doctors, including people with decades in the medical practice, five stars. So go to drreality.news, go ahead and read the reviews, and then get yourself a copy of Body Sense. While you're there, uh, I also want to encourage you to consider getting a copy of Income Tax Shattering the Mist. You know, I think a lot of people are, what would be the right word? They have some anxiety about reading Income Tax Shattering the Mist because we're ingrained from the time we're very small to believe that income tax applies to, well, everybody in America. If you're in America and you work and you earn a living, you owe the income tax. So I think it's stressful for people to consider that they might read Income Tax Shattering the Mist and find out that's not true. I think a lot of people have this conundrum. They're like, if I read it and it turns out that what Dave writes there in that 400 pages is factual, what am I going to do with that? Yeah, I think a lot of people feel, okay, so once I get the knowledge, God, damn it, then my conscience is going to compel me to act. Okay, So for some people, that's absolutely true. It certainly was the case for me. I haven't filed or paid income taxes since 1993 because once I discovered the truth, I did. Absolutely. My conscience drove me to say, oh, hell no. Hell no. This is my fucking country. You're not going to lie to me and take my shit based on a lie. That is never going to happen in my fucking lifetime. And ever since I came to that moment, that's how I've lived. But I want to be clear, that's me. That doesn't have to be you. You can read Income Tax Shattering the Mist. You can get to the end and go, you know what? <laughs> Dave is 100% spot on. Which, again, read the reviews on the website. You'll be like, wow. Okay. You can read it without having to act. So I don't want you to feel stressed or anxiety-ridden simply about reading Income Tax Shattering Mist. As a matter of fact, people who are not positioned well to actually act upon it, 
the best thing you can do for your country in terms of this, one of the many big lies going on in the United States is when you learn the truth, tell others about it. When they go, oh, man, that's not true. He goes, look, here, I'm going to loan you this book or buy a second copy as a loaner. A lot of people do that. I know one guy, he has one in his car, one in his office, and one in his house okay? because it's such an incredible resource. So you might consider that as well. But I really want to get your attention focused on body science because if you continue this process of disconnect between the onboard inhabitant and the actual carrier of that onboard inhabitant, yeah, nothing good will come of that. 